It's Deuteronomy chapter 30. That's Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to go to the 15th uh, verse. And I just wanted to make sure that um, everyone knows, uh, those that are online, we are looking at being back into a uh, modified version of live service on the 24th of May. Uh, there will be an email that will go out that will give all the details. So if you are not on our mailing list and wish to be, uh, please post in the comments uh, your email address so that we can make sure that you are on that list so you'll receive the exact uh, details of what we're doing. We'll be going to two services, uh, one at 9.30 and the other at 11. Uh, 15 a.m. and then there's a bunch of things that we are doing uh, to get prepared and to meet all of the guidelines and things like that so uh, it's a really important that you get that email so if you are not on our mailing list or you're not sure that we have the correct email just drop your email address on there uh, anyway even if you think we might have it or might not just to be safe and we'll make sure we get that information out to you over the next couple of days all right, so Deuteronomy uh, 30, verse 15. It says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thy heart is lift, it turns away, and that thou shalt not hear, but shall be drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over the Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest prosper, or mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life in the length of days, and thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers, and to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Uh, it is so important for us to understand, as we've been talking about this over the past few weeks, uh, where God is letting everyone know that uh, he has set before them blessing and cursing. In other words, so many people believe or feel, and I use the word feel because that's really what it is. Uh, if they're in their feelings, they feel as though God is the one who is holding the puppet strings of their life to determine whether they walk in blessing and or cursing. And so God literally is letting them know that I have set before you blessing and cursing. I've given you the ability to walk in a blessing or I've given you the ability to walk in curse. But that decision is no longer mine. It belongs to you. And as you have been given dominion, the word set means to arrange or to uh, put in order or to set in a position. And so he literally set it in order or created an order or divine order to things that now allows you to know that you are the one who gets to determine whether you choose uh, blessing or curse. And then, of course, he goes on further to say, it's my recommendation that you choose life. It's interesting how he doesn't say, I order you to choose life. He said, I'm just, you know, I'm telling you, this is probably what you want to do so that you may uh, prosper and that your life may be long. 
it's, it's bizarre for God to give you advice and for him not to mean it. <laughs> so then what, I, we, what we have to really understand is he's telling us this is the key to success Amen. in this life and in this world. And so now let's go real quick to James chapter 3. We're just going to hit some of these things that we've been kind of drilling over and over again. Some of you know it's important for us to get it in our spirit. James chapter 3 verse 2. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect or mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are turned about by a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Uh, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on the fire of hell. Every kind of beasts and birds, serpents, and things of the sea are tamed and have been tamed of mankind. But the tongue no man can tame because it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therefore, are therewith bless we God, even the Father, therewith we curse we men, which are made out of the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. And he goes on to say, Does a fountain bring forth sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree uh, bear olives and can a vine uh, figs? So no m- fountain can yield both salt and fresh. Who is a wise man is endued with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good conversation his works and meekness of wisdom. Isn't it something how he's telling us that blessing and curse comes out of your mouth? And blessing and cursing should not come from the same place. And he's talking about the source or the fountain by which you live uh, your life. And we we talked about a few weeks ago where Adam uh, and Eve literally changed the fountain by which we speak from and given the sin nature now we speak out of death and then the holy ghost comes to reside in us as we are born again and god reconnects us to the life of god and the power of god you can't speak life unless you have life and so we know that in us is is life and as we speak we speak out of the things that bring uh, blessing and not the things that bring cursing and so he said that such a small thing like a rudder uh, will move a huge boat. And so our tongue becomes the rudder of our life. Our, our tongue becomes the mixer of our faith. What you say is more important than what than you think. Th- that's why I said it's a matter of life and death. And so now when we go to Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21, he says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Notice he doesn't say that you'll be filled in your stomach with the efforts of your work or the abilities of your hands or, or you're stressing after things. He says you'll be uh, filled or the things that you will eat uh, will be the increase of your lips. So then therefore that tells you that your increase is in your mouth. And a lot of people do not understand. They want, well, I want to grow in this area. I want to become better in this area. I want, you know, to have greater finances and I want to have, 
certain things and I want to live a better life. And the reality is they do not realize that it is uh, your increase is in your mouth. It is on your lips. And so how you begin to speak and how you begin to deal with things will determine uh, whether or not you are satisfied with good things or whether you'll be satisfied with bad things. But ultimately, it comes down to uh, how you deal with your mouth and whether you are willing to speak. If it's a matter of life and death and it's in the power of your tongue, then there's no idle or useless chatter. I think sometimes people become so uh, convinced that you can just talk and talk and talk and talk and there's no problem with that. Well, you're in error because a multitude of words, there, there's, there's, there's folly, there's mistakes. And so we have to be careful what we say and how we say it because our increase is in our mouth. And if you want to increase in the things of God, you better start speaking the things that need to be spoken and calling those things that are not uh, as though they are. Let's look at Psalms 34, verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. He's asking, who is it that desires after a good life? What person wants to live long. And he says, if that's what you want and you desire a good life and you want to live long, then notice what he tells you to do. Keep your lips or your tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Keep your tongue from speaking bad things and keep your lips from lying and deceiving and deceptive things. And it's interesting because, again, if you want increase, then you should only speak increase. Amen. Everything you say should be speaking increase. So many people are bound to talking about the problem. Right. It doesn't say let them shout for joy and be glad. They that fear my righteous cause, yea, let them say continually, let their bills be magnified. Let their fears be magnified. Right. Let the struggle be magnified. Right. See, well, everybody wants to magnify the struggle. When you ask them a question, that's all they talk about is what's negative, what went wrong, what didn't work. They want to tell you about the problems. They want to tell you about, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? But at no point in time do they think that there's got to be a switch in you that says, I've got to speak increase. If it's not going the way it needs to go, I've got to speak increase. If it's not happening, it doesn't mean you're in denial about what's going on. You see exactly what's happening. You can feel exactly what's happening. But just because you feel and see it doesn't mean that you walk by sight or you walk by how you feel. You are to walk by faith. And faith reveals by the eyes of your faith what you cannot see in the natural. And if you cannot see it in the natural, that doesn't matter because you can see it with the eyes of faith. And when your mouth becomes hooked to the eyes of your faith, then your eyes of your understanding is what controls what comes out of your mouth. And when you speak, you speak purposely recognizing and understanding that everything you say is important and really will be used against you. That's right. So <clears throat> when we begin to see that if you want the lasting of days and you want to see good in your life, you want to see increase, you're going to have to develop the skill set of keeping your tongue. Amen. Let's go to First Peter 
3.10. It's interesting because Peter brought the same thing through. In verse uh, 10, he says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from, his, from evil and his lips that they speak no God. Here Peter brings through the same portion of Scripture and says the same thing to let you know that if you love life and you want to have a good life, you better watch what you say. It, it, it is no surprise to me that most people that I know uh, actually, I should say every person I know that really speaks a lot of negativity lives a negative life. They struggle in so many ways and they have no idea it's because of their mouth. And, and, it's, and it's interesting in the, in, the, in the context of this. I can have a conversation with people and they don't even know what they're saying. And they're like, well, that's not what I'm saying. Yes, that's exactly what you're saying. And now that's why you're getting what it is you're saying, all the while you want something different, but you are driving straight towards a wall, and you're like, I don't want to hit the wall, but you keep saying everything related to describing the wall. Hence the reason why the wall becomes magnified and everything related to God becomes minimized. And then you wonder why the trail is not leading you where you want it to go. Well, that's not what I say. Yes, it is what you said. Well, that's not what I meant. Then say what you really mean. Because you're not getting what you mean. You're getting what you say. The Bible says you shall have what you say. Anyone, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast to sea, shall not doubt his heart, believe that whatever he saith shall come to pass. It's not about what you meant. It's what you're actually saying. This is why communication becomes so important. Because it becomes the rudder of your life. And how you communicate what you say, how you say it, when you say it, to whom you say it, is an absolute critical piece to walking successfully in our Christianity. Yet and still, people see no value in, in controlling or paying any attention to their mouth. And then the Bible then tells us it's a matter of life and death. But most people call it, well, it's just not that important. I'm just talking. I'm just venting. That's one of my favorites. Oh, I'm just venting. Really? Venting person, a person who vents all the time, it's a sign of a poor prayer life. We don't have the, the uh, luxury to vent. When we open our mouths, we're speaking life. When we open our mouths, there's power in our tongue. When we open our mouths, we're eating the fruit of whatever it is that's coming out your mouth. If you don't like the fruit, you're going to have to change your mouth. And you'll find that that all of a sudden will bring you to a place where you'll see the life you're looking for. You'll see the things you want. And you'll begin to experience the things that you've been believing God for. How do you believe God for something, but you keep talking against it? And, and you call it, well, I'm just being modest or I'm being humble. No, you're lying. You're disingenuous. You're, you're, you're a hypocrite. Because if you're really believing, the essence of faith is that I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. If I believe it in my heart then it's going to come out of my mouth. And out of the abundance of my heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm really in faith about something, then there is no uh, possibility to fail. I've heard people say, well, you know, I tithe and I give and I do all this and my finances still aren't changing. You're a lie. And that's why it's not changing. <laughs> because you keep talking that it's not changing, so it knows it does not have to change. Because in the realities of what you keep saying, the moment you keep talking about what doesn't work, that's why it doesn't work. It, it, it's so 
it's so obvious. But yet people struggle with this because they cannot seem to put taming on their mouth. Because remember, he said no man can tame it, only the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's right. Amen. No man can tame that. And he said the one who can is a mature man. Or in other words, a perfect man. Not perfect in the sense of without flaws, but a mature man who's learned how to live out of the Holy Ghost and live out of the dictates of his heart and not out of the circumstance of his mind. Because if you begin to yield out of the circumstances that surround you, you will constantly find yourself in a place where there is struggle after struggle after struggle after struggle. And you will repeat those struggles, which means you'll live in those struggles. Watch for Romans uh, 4. Romans 4, 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that which also is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. How do you get what wasn't to be what was? You're going to have to call it what it is. And this is where people really miss one of the key understandings of how God works. You can't keep talking about what it is. You got to call it what it is in the spirit what you want it to be, what it really is by faith and not keep saying that what is dead. So many people see dead things and they want to talk about the dead thing. I, I can't believe how the job did me like this. I can't believe how bad this situation got. I can't believe how this, you know what they did to me? And you keep speaking and resurrecting the dead and it's still dead. And so the Bible says that the way that God uh, uh, speaks brings life to the dead. If you want to bring life to dead situations in your life, you better start speaking life to it. If you want to uh, see the manifestation of the things that God has for you in your life, you better start prophesying to them dead bones. You better start speaking to them things and telling them what it's about to be. And it's in the same pattern in which God has done where he calls those things that are not as though they are. When he said, let there be light, can you imagine if he had dealt with all of his thinking related to how bad it was on the earth as opposed to just saying, here's what the earth needs. It needs light. So I'm going to speak light. Here's what we need. I need finances, so I'm going to speak finances. Here's what I need. I need a promotion. I'm going to speak promotion. Here's what I need. I need a home. I'm going to speak home. Not continue to talk about what you don't have. Not continue to talk about what you're worried about. Not continue to talk about what 
Everybody thinks about it and what this bank says and what this person says. But how about speaking what God is saying and revealing into your heart so that you can call those things that are not as if they are and bring life to dead situations? Because I don't care if it died in you. I don't care if your dream at one point died in you. You have got to get back to a place where you stir it up on the inside and speak life unto those things and call those things that need to be as though they are until you see them for what they really are. And that's why now as faith and patience work together. Faith and patience are not contrary to each other. Faith and patience work together. And so when you have the ability to remain in patience, then that's when I can say that in patience I can believe God for whatever it is that even if I don't see it yet, that it's on its way. And when Satan tries to come against my life to tell me, you're wasting your time. God's not going to do that for you. It's not going to happen for you. I am able to stand strong and know that in my faith I believe that it's going to happen and I will continue to water my seed with the word and I will speak over it and speak over it and speak over it and speak over it until it comes to pass because surely it has to come to pass. It does not have the right to ignore me. It doesn't have the right to delay me. It doesn't have the right to derail me. It doesn't have the right to deny me. It doesn't have the right. It has to obey. When I speak to it, it's got to respond. When God said, let there be light, light shine. It wasn't he sitting back thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's going to happen. No, as soon as he told it to happen, he said, let there be light. Watch Genesis 1 real quick. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. I don't know if you guys have the Young's literal back there, but if you do, uh, that's where I'm going next. Same same verses, just a Young's literal. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, I cannot believe how much chaos is on this planet. I cannot believe how dark it is. No, he said, let there be light. And there was light. Now watch in Young's literal. In the beginning of God's preparing the heavens and earth, the earth had existed, waste and void. And darkness is on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God fluttering on the face of the waters. And then God saith, let light be. And light is. That is a revelation all unto itself. If you study in the Hebrew, he really didn't say, let there be light. He said, light be. In other words, light be, exist. Light happen. Light right now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now faith. Not light, can you come? Light, you think about, you know, would you consider my request? Light, you know, uh, hey, if, if it be thy will, light, would you please come? He didn't say that. He said light be. And light is. God. Because it has no choice when it's told to light be. Now, now, now watch this. Can, let me take you to Exodus <clears throat> 3.13. And Moses said unto God, let's put that in the King James. 
Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, would you be surprised to know that that phrase, I am, is the same as I be? Same word. So when he said light be, firmament be, dark or evening be, water be, as he is commanding things to happen and to exist, it's the same word when he says, who do I tell them sent me? He says, you tell them I be that I be, and I am that I am. I exist, period. I always have, I always will, I am now, I will in the future, I will in the past, because when I call it to exist, it has to come to pass. And so when he said, I be, he's letting you know, I be what? I be whatever it is that you need. And when I begin to speak and decree a thing, I am saying, be this, be that, and it has to be, and it actually is. So when I say be fruitful and multiply, when I say be thou strong and very courageous, when I say be blessed, I am not offering you an alternative or an option. I am not offering you a suggestion. I am telling you when he says be thou strong and courageous, he's telling you to exist in that place. When he says be blessed, it is not I think I'm blessed. It's not I want to be blessed. I am being blessed. It exists the moment I've commanded it because I'm telling it that he said I am that I am. And when they ask you who sent you, you tell them, I am is the one who sent you unto them. That I exist and I'm the one who gets it done. I'll make it happen. I was, I will be, and I am right now. So when I say be, then it has no choice to exist. And it exists because I said it. It exists because I've learned how to imitate my father. Who showed me the pattern when he said, be, light, be, water, be. You can only come this far, be, still. When Jesus got up in the boat, first thing he said, peace, be. He didn't say, hey, would you please calm down a little bit? I'm trying to sleep. You're scaring all my friends. He stood up and said, peace, be. You've got to learn the power of your mouth. You've got to learn the power of your words. You've got to know the authority that has been vested in you by our Lord Jesus who ascended into heaven and left you the keys to the kingdom that you are able to bind and to loose. You are able to speak and decree. It is not just casual conversation. You will give an account for every useless and idle word. You've got to recognize the power that has been vested on the inside of you. And when you say light be, it has to exist. It is not a choice or an option. He said, you want to know who sent you? Tell him I be sent you. <laughs> I be what? Your healer. Your redeemer. Your strong tower. Your helper. Your strengthener. Your standby. 
your victory, your banner, your standard. He said, I'll be. That's why the Bible says that those that come to God must believe that he is. Man, I got to get y'all to catch that. That's why it says that whoever comes to God must believe that he is. He is because he said, I be. And because if I be, then he is. Or let me say it this way. If I be, then I is. While that is not proper English, I understand that, but it's getting the point across. Because he's letting us know very clearly that whatever is called, when he says be fruitful and multiply, it's not an option for you to say, well, am I going to be really fruitful or not? When he said be fruitful, you are now fruitful. If you don't want to produce, you, you have rights to do whatever you want to do. But I want you to understand, blessed is the fruit of my loins. Everything I touch is fruitful. It multiplies. Why? Because God already said I could be. So then everything I'm supposed to say, and if I want the fruit of my lips, if I want to eat right fruit, then I've got to speak right words. If I want healthy fruit, I've got to speak healthy words. You can't keep eating poison and wondering why you're dying. Let's go to um, Psalms 36. Psalms 33, verse 6. Now watch what he says here. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. The world was made, and everything in it, by the word of his mouth. Now watch the point here. The world was made by what he said, but he said nothing about the world. Let me say it to you a different way. There was something that existed before he said anything about it. It was void. It was chaos. He didn't say anything about that. He spoke what it was to be. And so this, I'm telling you, this is the key where people keep saying what they see and they end up seeing what they said. We are not to be talking about what you see in the natural because if you keep talking about what you see in the natural, you'll keep getting what you keep talking about, which is more of the same. God didn't see what he saw. He ended up seeing what he said. And when you learn to continue to say what you want to see, you'll be shocked at how things will change. This is why so many people, I'm telling you, you've got to get some better friends around you. If you're the smartest kid in the room, you've got to change rooms. 
Because people around you will begin to affect you and infect you, and they'll keep you at a place where you cannot grow. Because their minds cannot conceive the levels you're going to. And they will speak against what you're doing to the point where you'll start to believe it because you'll hear it so often. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Fear comes by hearing. Lack comes by hearing. Doubt comes by hearing. And so when you keep hearing things from the wrong people over and over again, how dare you dream big enough to expect that you can do thus and so? How dare you think that you of all people from where you came from is going to be able... You know how people talk. And if you're not careful, you'll be walking around thinking, well, what makes me think I can deserve to have this? Or what makes me think I can deserve to do that? And by the time you're said and done, everybody's ready to quit. You have got to be on guard as to what affects you because your world is framed by the words of your mouth. And if you want to frame a different world, then you're going to have to get a different mouth. You have to know the difference between commentary and commanding. There's a difference between those who report the news and there's a difference between those who make the news. And when you become a commentator... You can't command and comment at the same time because they don't go together. We're not commentators. We're not reporters. We don't report the news. We make the news. We may see what the news is saying. We may see what's going on. We're not blithely unaware. We're not oblivious to it. But when we speak, we are making the news. We are commanding things to begin to change. We are not just reporting. Anybody can report the news. That's why the whole concept of a hundredfold, when people hear a hundredfold, some people think it just means a hundred times. That's not what it is. A hundredfold means the full supply. So in other words, if you had an apple, anybody could cut up an apple and dig out all the seeds and count them and tell you exactly how many seeds are in the apple. But only God can tell you how many apples are in that seed. And that's a whole different level of discussion. But when we speak things that are contrary to what God is saying, we do not understand that we are literally reaping the reward of that. We're not commentators. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are commanding things to be. <clears throat> look, at, uh, look at Matthew 9, verse 28. And when he was coming to the house, the blind man came, men came to him. Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it. According to your faith, then be it. Whatever your faith is, if you think that I can do this, then be it. If you believe I'm the healer, then be it. If you think I can prosper you, then be it. If you think I can bring opportunity to you, then be it. And he says, literally, their eyes were opened and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. <laughs> be it. Because the truth of the matter is, whatever you believe God to be and what you are being it, 
whether you know it or not. <clears throat> if you don't believe God can prosper you, bring you opportunity. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's amazing to me how many people don't realize that God can bring opportunity to you. God can open doors to you. God can bring promotion to you. God can bring, if you have a business, God can bring you clients and customers. God can do anything. But if you can't believe him for it, that's why you don't have it, and that's why you can't be it. Because it all goes back to, he asked them, believe ye that I can do this? In other words, do you think that I am? Notice this question, verse 28. Believe ye that I am able to do this? Because if you believe that I am, then I be. Watch Mark 4, 39. Mark 4, 39. <clears throat> and he arose and rebuked the wind. And he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind be He said, peace be, and the wind said, I'll be. And there was a great calm. What are you using your be for? <laughs> because when people say, well, you know, I just, I don't know, I just, I don't know, I, I've been dealt a bad hand. Well, if you say so. Well, things don't seem to ever work out for me. Well, if you say so. <laughs> but everywhere I know Jesus went, when he said be, it, 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 it be. When he, when he says, uh, go to uh, <clears throat> Luke 17. Verse 6. And the Lord said, If ye had, a f had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea. And it should Let's go back. If, and the Lord God said, or Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, <clears throat> you might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. <laughs> in other words, it's supposed to. Because whatever you tell it to be, because you've got the greater one working on the inside of you. This is why when, when uh, 
Jesus was talking to disciples. He said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Listen, I don't care how big the door is. I don't care how many locks the door has. I don't care how thick the door is. I don't care how big the gate is. If I have a key to it, and he's flat out telling you, here's the key. What you permit. What you loose, we'll loose. What you permit, we'll permit. Whatever you say let be, we'll be. What is it saying? Kesarasara, what will be, will be. Isn't that something? He's teaching the principle of how to work life and death. And he's saying, whatever you call it to be, that's what it shall be. And so if you call it fear, then it's going to be fear. If you call it lack, it's going to be lack. One of the greatest uh, challenges of people who struggle in the areas of prosperity is not whether or not they have money. It's the way they think. It is so difficult to deal with people who are poverty-minded because they have no conception of how to handle money. They have no conception of how to handle credit. They have no conception of how to handle banking. They have no understanding of money. And it's the worst, in my opinion, one of the worst things that we have perpetuated against our up-and-coming generations is that no one's ever taught about money in school. I feel like kids ought to be taught from the very beginning about money because I guarantee you, trust me when I tell you, wealthy kids are taught about money from the very beginning. They understand how it works. They understand the principles of it. It's needed and necessary in today's society. Because if you're going to be prosperous, you've got to understand how that works. Because once your mindset changes, then your life circumstance changes. But you can't go anywhere without your head helping you to get there. That's why you're born head first. Everywhere you go in life, you're going to go head first. And if you can't get your head around concepts and things that are involving prosperity and success, you will always be poverty-minded and short-circuit your own success, and you'll call it being humble. You'll call it, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just keeping myself uh, uh, from, from being more important than I should be in my own eyes. And the Bible tells you to be as important as you are, just not be more important. (laughs) But so many people use that as a process to beat themselves down to the point where they don't even understand that you are eating the fruit that you have made. I'm one of the most prosperous people I know. I get care packages every day. See, I want you to understand some things. That's not uh, arrogance. That's confidence. It's not confidence in myself. Without God, I'm nothing. But if the blessing is on my life, then when I command it to be, it's supposed to be. If I say unto that mountain, be thou removed and be planted in the sea, it's supposed to obey me. It's not that it, it might. 
when it gets around to it. <laughs> well, that's 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 pretty pretty tall order, I know. But we serve a tall God. We serve a God who's able to do all things. We serve a God who has empowered us. That we are his representatives here on this earth. That we get to follow the pattern that he set forth. And when he told us, he said, look, I set before you life and death. I gave you dominion. So whatever you call to be, it's going to be. Don't you think it was interesting when he told Adam, why wouldn't God have just named all the animals? Why would he run and parade these animals in front of Adam and say, whatever you call them, that's what it'll be? He's teaching him how to function in his dominion. He's teaching him how to function in his authority. He said, I've given y'all dominion. Male and female, he made them. And then he gave him dominion over all, anything that creepeth on the earth. So how do we get afraid of animals that we had authority and dominion over? How do we get afraid of things that we called it what it was? See, when you begin to recognize the pattern, then you start to see when every time you say, be it unto you. <laughs> what do you think he's saying? Whatever will be, will be. If that's what you believe, if that's the way you believe, that's exactly what it'll be. And this is why the greatest plight of, of the believer is not to struggle and wrestle with sin. The greatest plight of the believer is to elevate your level of revelation so that your life will begin to meet the revelation. Or let me say it this way. Your manifestation will begin to match your revelation. And poverty is so, so subtle. It, it really is subtle. It, it, it's, it's one of those things like, um, <clears throat> how, how do I say this? <clears throat> People with a poverty mind place no value on money. So I'll, I'll give you, here's a good one. This is a real good one. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed that in a lot of the uh, lower-end grocery stores, have you noticed the food quality is very low end? And it is stuff that is genetically modified. It's produced in bulk. <coughs> I saw an article one time, and it said that if we ate an orange today, to get the same vitamin C in an orange that our grandparents ate, we'd have to eat about 10 of them. Because everything has been duplicated and replicated and mass produced and, and hormones and everything else to get huge yields in fast amount of times. Uh, how do you think that you can get the same amount of nutrition in something that you literally grew for two months that typically was taking six months? It's not possible. So now here's my point. You take those things and you put it, because they're cheap now, and you put it into low-end marketplaces, and then people who can't afford will stand in front of strawberries that are a dollar for a package and see the organic ones that are $5 a package, and they'll choose the dollar because they don't want to spend the $5. 
But then over time, when heart disease, diabetes, and all kinds of things set in, then they'll spend thousands of dollars on medications to fuel the body with the things the nutrients should have been doing but weren't. And so when you're poverty-minded, I can't believe they had strawberries for $2 a pound. Really? But you go to Starbucks and spend $5 for $0.10 cents worth of... No, you gotta, you got to see this, y'all, because it's the way people think. And it's so subtle that when you think like that, you'll speak like that. I, it's funny because I, I posted a picture on, uh, on Facebook, and it was of a house, and it's on the beach. And, you know, it's funny because certain people, every time I post anything, there's always the slant to it. In other words, if I post a big house, 20,000 square feet, what are you going to do with a house that big? Oh, my God, who's going to clean it? Let me assure you of one thing. If I am in the position, and when I am in the position that I have a 20,000 square foot house, I am not concerned about who's going to clean it. That is not my issue, and it won't be my wife. Just so you understand. So I post this house on the beach. First thing they say, what about tsunamis? And <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Is that the conversation? But see, poverty mindsets think that way. It's never about the positive. It's always about the negative. But when your mouth talks that way, your life drifts that way. It's like a rudder. I don't care how much, uh, if you've ever piloted a boat before, captained a boat before, <clears throat> boats cannot stop on a dime. They, they drift because they're in water. There's no friction to stop them. So if you shut the engine off and you've been hauling it, that boat does not stop. It drifts. And so I don't care which way you want to go, it will only go the way the wheel is facing. It's very simple. And so you could want to go that way, but if your rudder is facing that way, you'll be looking over here, but your boat will be going over there. And so many people's lives is drifting in a way that they don't want it to go, and they have no realization that they've set a rudder. Their rudder is set on over here. And all the while they're screaming, why, God, won't you help me get over there? Yet, God's like, okay, all you got to do is, <laughs> you just have to, you just got to turn this thing. You really got to start turning it. Well, how do you turn things? You start, remember the Bible says they couldn't enter into their rest in Hebrews. He said, because the, the word they heard was not mixed with faith. How do you mix it? You mix it with your tongue. What is your tongue? Your tongue's a blender. Makes the best spiritual margaritas around. Because what is your tongue supposed to do? Mix your faith. And that's why when you begin to speak, the rudder changes. And all of a sudden, your course changes. And eventually, over time, as you continue to speak, but you can't speak God and speak curse at the same time because you're commingling your seed. And, then, and the fear, lack, doubt, and unbelief you keep talking is choking out your harvest, and you're wondering where it's at. 
That's why I said if light, if increase is on our lips, then increase is the only thing that should come out of your mouth. We're supposed to be whatever it is. And we know that when we call it, it is. When we say it, it is. That's why God calls those things that are not as though they be. (laughs) Because in his mind, they be. It is what it is. And we have to always be careful that what we are saying and what we allow to come out of our mouths. Because you cannot speak against your own situation. You cannot speak against your own seed. You cannot talk against your own prosperity. When you get into work, you you got to begin to talk. I'm favored, highly favored, blessed. I am needed in this organization. Everything I put my hands to prosperous. They see my value. They understand my value. Then you mess around and get fired. And then the first thing you say is, well, they don't appreciate me. They don't see my value. I'm just a number to them. I'm just a this. And you keep saying what you are. And the next thing you know, you are what it is you said. Walking around the organization talking about, they don't care about me. I'm a nobody. You kidding me? And then you're wondering why you're treated like It's so subtle, y'all. It, it, it's really, really subtle. And we have learned all our lives to talk that way. And then now all of a sudden God comes in and says, listen, <clears throat> your mouth was set on destruction. But I'm going to give you a new way to do this so that we can pilot this ship another direction. And then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will see the salvation of the Lord. And then you will be prospering all the things you uh, walk into. And then you shall make your way prosperous. And then, if you notice, everything is, after you make the adjustments, that's when it starts to move where it needs to go. But it will never change. It will never move. It will never be different if you are not different. This is why you've got to watch the spirit of poverty. The spirit of poverty will tell you, you know, it's funny how people will think to themselves, oh, I'll give to the needy, but I'm not giving to anybody else. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, I'll, I'll go to pastor and I'll ask him for some advice, but I don't give him an offering. I don't, I don't offer him anything. I've never walked up to him and handed him anything. He doesn't need it. But I'll give to the poor. But you don't go to the poor for advice. And then you wonder why nobody wants to really help you because you have no honor. It's not about the money. It's about the honor. Well, I give my tithes. That should be good enough. Your tithes don't come to me. (laughs) No, I need you to understand that. Because when I deal with people that I go to for help, I I enumerate them in some way, shape, or form. I bless them. That's why they don't cringe when they see me coming. (laughs) When you honor the gift, they don't mind giving it. But see, poverty-minded thinking, you have to display a need before someone will help you because they think you don't need. That's how poverty mindsets work. And so now you don't think anything of it taking because you're a taker. 
And then because you're a taker, you will always be subject. Let me, let me, good Lord Jesus. Why do y'all do stuff like this to me? Watch this, y'all. Go to, uh, <clears throat> and I promise you, I'm done. Go to Second Corinthians nine ten. Look at verse uh, verse 9. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that minister seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. What it, notice what he says. Now he that ministers seed to whom? <clears throat> the sower. The one who gives. He doesn't give seed to everybody. He gives seed to the ones who will sow it. Why? Because when you sow it, he says, both minister bread for your food, and then he multiplies your seed sown and increase the fruits of your... Do you see how what he's telling you is, watch verse 11... Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving unto God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the one of the saints, but is abundant also to the many thanksgiving unto God. What is he saying? He's saying you are recognizing that when you are a sower, then things come through you. And then he gives you what you need, bread for your eating, and then he multiplies your seed that was sown. It's, it's a divine system. But poverty-minded people struggle with that. And because they struggle with it, they never get into... Why would the queen of Sheba... <clears throat> she's a queen. Why would she come see Solomon and ask him a bunch of questions and bring him a bunch of gifts? Why would she do that? Solomon was the wealthiest man on the planet. What could she really have brought him? Do you think he looked, oh, look, another gold crown. (laughs) Wasn't that special? He's the wealthiest man on the planet. He had cities to hold his treasuries. See, when you don't understand these types of things, this is just one thing that I'm I'm hitting it because I'm trying to get people to understand. Your mouth, when it's hooked to poverty, will speak and live poverty. You'll get mad when someone buys a two, three, four hundred dollar shirt that'll last them five years. And you'll find a cheap one on a rack somewhere that you'll have to buy in another three months because it's falling apart. And another three months is falling apart. And another three months is falling apart. You'll buy a twenty dollar shirt and put it on a twenty percent credit card. And by the time it's said and done, you spent the same amount of money 
That shirt is, is, is now used to wash and, and wax your car, and you are still paying on it. Do y'all see it? It's, it's, it it's, it's in our mindsets of how we speak that will determine the outcomes we live in. And I'm telling you, until you change the way you think and then change the way you speak, you will not change the way you live. You will always be a commentator and not a commander. Amen? Amen. Ah, love you guys. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We're grateful for the revelation. We're grateful for light. Uh, we receive all that you have for us. We bless your holy name. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. All believers in the house said, amen. all believers online said, amen. Love you guys. We will see you on Sunday. We have work day on Saturday.